Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Um, As I said earlier, we're starting a series uh, this morning called Relate. It's called Relate. And here's here's, here's a big thought here that I want to share with you. Uh, You really can't love God effectively without loving people. You really can't love God effectively unless you're loving people. But also you can't effectively love people unless you love God. I I could say that again. You, You really can't love God effectively without loving people. And you really can't love people effectively without loving God. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12 verses 30 and 31. He says, love your God Excuse me, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. A lot of alls in there, right? In other words, give him everything. (laughs) Love him with everything that you have. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions this morning. Got a lot of questions to ask you. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's just me, John, asking you or Pastor John asking you questions. Actually, I believe anytime if Pastor Sam is here, I'm here, or any speakers up here, actually it's God talking to us. Can somebody say amen to that? So I believe that the Holy Spirit has got some questions that he wants us to consider. Look on the inside and answer. And the first question is this. How do you relate to God? How do you relate to God? Do you relate to God as just this distant being that one day because you've accepted Jesus as your savior that you're gonna be able to see him one day? Or, or, or do you relate to God as just some uh, distant being that's so mystical and he's so far out there that you can never really understand anything about him? How, how ladies and gentlemen, do you relate to God this morning? Are, are you on the same page? Are you on the same page with God in regards to how you relate to him and how he wants you to relate to him? Are you on the same page? Are we on the same page with God? Because the truth is, he wants us and desires for us to relate to him and see him in several different ways. One is that he desires, I really think, almost above everything, he desires for uh, us to relate him to, uh, for us to relate to him as our father. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, in this manner, therefore, pray. In other words, Jesus has been asked by his followers, by his disciples. Hey, Jesus, would you teach us to to pray? (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've always thought it was pretty cool that they asked him that when they could have asked him a lot of other things. Jesus, could you teach us how to do this walking on the water thing? (laughs) Really cool. Or could you teach us the, you know, all the different things that you do? Could you teach us that? But Jesus was specifically asked by his disciples, Father, I mean, Jesus, teach us to what? Teach us to pray. And so Jesus said, all right, I want you to pray this way. Watch how he says, how he starts this. Our Father in heaven. When Jesus made that statement, what he was doing is he was saying, listen, he's my Father. He's my Father. But listen, guys. He can be yours too. He didn't say, "I right, guys, look at me, look at me. Listen, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray this thing, but this is just for me in the way that I should pray, Father in heaven. He said, no, he included, he said, no, guys, I want you to understand, when you pray, you say, our Father in heaven. Is there anybody in this room that's thankful that Jesus can be the same Father, excuse me, that God can be the same Father to us as he is to Jesus? Is that not incredible or what? 
Isn't that amazing? I think it's incredible that we can, we can view God as our father. Again, not just some distant being, but we belong to him. We belong, we belong to him. We belong to God. He's our, he's our dad. He's, a, he's, a, he's our father. But, but he also desires to play another role or for us to see him in another light, in another way. And that is that God is our creator. Everybody say creator. creator. Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it's the account where God has created humanity. Uh, Genesis chapter one, verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God, he, God created them. God created humanity. God created humanity. Are you grateful that we're not the result of some sort of a cosmic collision somewhere or some amoeba, 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 amoeba in a mud hole? Aren't you thankful that we were created by the most high God? Is anybody excited about that? That we're just not the product of some random accident. God, God created us. He formed us and he made us. Listen to this. God determines who you are as your father. But he determines how you work best as creator. We'll say that again. God determines who you are as your father, but he determines how you work best as your creator. It's wise to let the one who designed you also define you. It's wise to let the one who has designed you also define you because life will not work right without relating to God as your creator. Your life's just not going to work right. It'd be like this. It'd be like, it'd be like if you went out to your vehicle right now parked in the parking lot. I don't know what kind of car you drive. I don't know the make or the model. But if you went out there and, and, and you got in the vehicle and then you got out and you said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put something else in this vehicle because I want it to run right. And you went back to, the, you went back to where you put the fuel in and, and, and instead of fuel, you took five gallons of water and you put in the tank. Guess what's not going to happen when you try to crank your car? It's not going to work right. Why? Because the designers of your vehicle designed it around the fact that it takes gasoline, it takes fuel to go into the engine in order for that thing to work right. Are you following me? The designer made that statement. The designer made that decision. And though you didn't design it, you may own it. It might be yours. If you put water in that sucker, it's not going to work right. I mean, you can, you can do without a lot of things in your car and, and, and as long as it's got gas in it, it's still going to work, right. right? I mean, we wouldn't want to, but if you had to, in July, you could make it without air conditioning in your car, but thank God, thank God we've got AC in the car, right? <laughs> do you know that you could drive your car, your car would still run right, it would work, if you're, even though you didn't have power steering in it? Anybody in here remember the no power steering days? You remember those days, huh? I mean, the only power to the power steering was in this muscle and this muscle. It was, you know, turn that thing, crank that thing. That's, that's the reason our steering wheels were like this big, you know, is crank that thing. Bah! Driving down the road, you know. <laughs> All right, you could, you could work, you could drive the car if it didn't have seats in it. I was just thinking about this the other night. Anybody remember the days when nobody wore seat belts? 
when, as kids, I remember this in the kids, as kids, we'd be driving down the road. Mom was driving down the road in a big old long car. She's just driving down the road. And, and me and my brother would be in the back, not just in the back seat. We would be in the back window, right up against the back window. You know what I'm talking about? Just riding along. And then we see some big truckers go by and we're doing this, you know. <laughs> And then mom and I have to slam on the windows and all of a sudden we go from the back window to the front window real quick. How'd you get here, boys? Well, get back in the, what are you doing up here? Get back in the back seat where you belong. Yeah, those, those were the days and we made it. We survived. I'm not, I'm not advocating not wearing your seatbelts. Everybody wears seatbelts. Our car's not going to work without gas. Listen to me. And here's the reality. You won't work without the right relationships in your life. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse 18. God's still doing the creation thing and he actually is through creating uh, Adam. In Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it says the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Make him a helper, helper suitable for him. Look what, look what God said here. The creator created Adam, created man. It's not good for the man to be alone. Not good. Now, now listen to me. That was not an afterthought. God, God didn't create Adam and then look at Adam and he said, you know what? It just dawned on me. He needs another one. He needs somebody else with him. That, God doesn't work that way. God, God never says, I just thought of something. He, he doesn't think. He just knows. So when he created Adam, he created Adam to be connected and not to be alone. And ladies and gentlemen, this goes way beyond just the relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and wife. This is true for us relationally in our lives. Because several thousand years later, the Apostle Paul is writing this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, he says, Our bodies are made up of many parts. None of these parts have the same use. Uh, There are many people who belong to Christ, and yet we are one body, which is Christ. We are all different, watch this, but we depend on each other. We depend on each other. So here's the point. When you relate to God as your creator, you value how you relate to other people. In other words, when you realize that God created me and he made me to be connected to other people, you see people differently. You begin to view people differently. You begin to look at people as valuable instead of maybe just an asset. Are you following me? People that, that are valuable to you instead of just somebody that just happens to be in your life. Maybe an asset to help you with your life. No, you begin to look at them valuable because you look at them and you know what? You may say, you know what? God may want me to be connected to that person. Maybe there's something in me that I could share with them or vice, or vice versa. Listen, you need others in your life and you need healthy relationships in your life. That's the whole reason we're doing life groups, our small groups, ladies and gentlemen. It's because we're believing that in these small groups, you can begin to develop healthy relationships. Everybody say healthy relationships. Here's another good question for you. How does God define a good relationship? We need good relationships, right? We need healthy relationships, right? But how does God define good relationships? So when I was putting together this message, I was wrestling with that one. I was like, what's one good scripture What's one good scripture that, that just really just sort of captures everything when it comes to saying and defining what a good relationship is? And so, you know, how many of you knows that God wrote the Bible so he knew it was that? So finally I found it. 
2 Corinthians 6.14, I landed on this one, read it I don't know how many times in, the, in, in my life. But it says, do not be joined together, 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be joined together with those who do not belong to Christ. How can that which is good get along that with that which is bad? How can light be in the same place with darkness? So I'm reading that and I'm thinking, well, yeah, well, that's okay, but how do you define what a good relationship is out of that? And then it dawned on me, what if we took the do nots out? What if we took the do nots out? So if we took the do nots out, this is how it would read. Be joined together with those who belong to Christ. Talking about what a healthy relationship is. Be joined together with those who belong to Christ. Be what? Be in relationship with those who what? Belong to who? But then, but then I know in your mind you're thinking, but Pastor John, you're up there all the time talking about making a good difference in somebody else's life, touching somebody's life that doesn't know Christ, help them know God, uh, discover their purpose and make a difference. That's who we are. That's what we're about. You say that all the time, but then you're saying, you're saying that, that we're not supposed to reach out to people who don't know God or who don't know Christ. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what that is saying. It doesn't say not to reach them. It just says don't be connected to them. It doesn't say, it doesn't say don't reach them, don't not love them, don't not care for them, and that, 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 that our mission is not reaching them and helping them know God. It just says don't be what? I got it on my t-shirt. <laughs> don't be connected. Are you following me this morning? So a healthy relationship, a God-honoring relationship is, is between two people or a group of individuals, two people or a group of individuals that belong, that belong to Christ. You see, the enemy has been working overtime trying to redefine relationships. You look around today, guys, and it's so easy that, that society today, the world today is saying what God says is good and they're saying it's bad. Then they're turning around and the world is saying this, what God says is bad and unhealthy is really good for you. They're working, I mean, the, the enemy is working overtime on redefining marriage. Let, let me just clarify something. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Not a political statement, straight from the word of God. Marriage is between a man and a woman. The enemy's been, been working hard to redefine the relationship between races. Can I just say something? Okay, thank you. I was going to say it anyway, but it's good that you said say it. <laughs> Listen, from God's perspective, talking about races, from God's perspective, look at me. There are only two kind of people on the planet. There's just two. There are those who know God and those who don't. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It just, I've been on vacation for a week. It just happened. I don't know. <laughs> there are only, from God's perspective, there are only two kinds of people. Those who belong to God and those who don't. And you know what we're here to do? Those who don't belong to God, we're going to help them belong to God, right? But God does not see color. 
He sees category. God does not see color. He sees what? Do you know that studies show today, studies have proven that every human being, every human being on the planet is 99.9% the same. Genetically, 99.9% the same. We're the same. That one-tenth of 1% is what makes our skin color different. But here's what the enemy has done. We've been majoring on that one-tenth of 1% and minoring on the rest when God's saying, flip it. Flip it. Start majoring on the fact that we're the same. But listen, even beyond genetically, we're the same because we belong to God. While I'm on it. It doesn't matter what news media, news outlet you watch. They're making money off of racial division. It's the truth. They are making money. Listen to me. The news media is not going to preach and not going to say what we're saying. It's up to the church. It's up to me and you to say there is no difference. There are only two kind of people on the planet. Those who know God, those who don't. And we're here to help those who don't know God, know God. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Hallelujah. I said amen. amen. We're not going to let the enemy redefine what God says about being in relationship with each other. That's good preaching for a young man like myself. He's working overtime even to redefine families. The family unit. Now, I'm going to say something and don't get mad. I don't want any text, any emails. Don't stop me in the hallway. <laughs> redefining the family unit. I mean, it is not uncommon today if we were, you see, let's use our imagination. Let's go to a park. We'll walk around a park. People all over the place. And we walk up to this family and I go, hey, we're word of life. What's your name, family? They say, well, my name is Bob. If, if your name's Bob, don't be offended that I'm not including you in this, okay? My name's Bob, and this is my wife, Diana, and this is, this is my daughter. Her, her name is Susie, and, and this is Rock. You know, well, that's a strong name for a boy, you know? But then then we're, 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 we're looking at this whole deal, and they're introducing us to Rock, and Rock's got four legs. Now, we've, they're introducing us to their family. You want to say, dude, that's a German shepherd. That's not, that's not a kid. I can't figure it out. But sometimes, listen, we laugh at that. But it is so common today that, the, that part of the animal kingdom is part of our family. Listen, don't get mad at me. I love pets. I love dogs. We had the greatest dog that will ever live on the face of the planet. He's in heaven today. His name is Chip. He's a chocolate lab. I don't care what your doctrine is. My dog's in heaven. I don't care what you think. Your dog may not have went there, but mine is there. He's waiting on me. Now, if you got a cat, no way you ever see your cat again. That's like a gone. No. <laughs> (laughs) 
Again, please, no text, no phone calls. No. Don't leave the church over that. Just having fun. But honestly, the enemy is just working hard to redefining what the family unit looks like. Now, if you call your cat or dog a kid, I, that's between you and the Lord. But that's between you and the Lord. Anyway, um, so why should I have good relationships? Why, why is this so important? I relate to God as my creator. He created me to have a relationship. Why is this so important? If you're writing notes, take this down. Number one, good relationships are going to make you better. Good relationships are going to make you better. Good relationships, healthy relationships are going to make you better. Proverbs 27, 17 says, "Is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In other words, when, when you're, 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 you're what? You're connecting you're making that connection when iron connects they sharpen what each other makes you what makes you better you make a lot of decisions in life but none is more critical than the relationships you choose to have there's none proverbs 27 19 says a mirror reflects a man's face but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends that he chooses If, if I visited your friends and hung out with your friends a little bit, I could tell you what you're like. I could tell you what you value. I could tell you what's important. Thank you for that overwhelming response, but <laughs> the sum total of your relationships that you have in your life. It's true. Good relationships, if you're taking notes, write this down. Good relationships make you healthy in every area of your life. If you have good relationships, if you have God-honoring relationships, you're going to be much healthier in every area of your life. Spiritually speaking, your relational uh, realm, you're going to be healthier. It's going to be better for you. Uh, Ephesians 4.16 says, uh, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Everybody say work. It helps the other, the other parts grow so that, so that the whole body is healthy and what? Growing and full of love. So l- look at that. I ask you to say work for a reason. The, the word work there, when you look at it, you really think about it, you see it in the proper context. What, that word work there uh, really means, it means just to pass along something that God has given you. Are you following me? So it's each part, each person does its own special work, passing along things that God has passed along to them. In other words, God has passed along grace to us. Is there anybody in here that's thankful that God has passed along grace to you? So what do we do? The work there, the work, when we're connected, the work is when we're doing our work and and being related and staying connected is is that grace that comes to us does what? It doesn't just stay in us or with us. It, it, It transfers and goes on to the people that we're connected to. How many know, how many of you realize we need grace from others at times? What about mercy? Anybody here thankful for mercy that comes to us? It's not designed just, uh, meant for it just to come to us. It's also meant to what? Flow, flow through us. How many of you know that the world would be better if we would just a little bit, allow a little bit more of mercy to flow? Wouldn't the world be a better place? Love and, or, or even wisdom. Several years ago, several years ago, I, 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 I was talking to a gentleman who had been married for several years and their marriage was healthy. It was, it was like when I went, we would see them, it was like, oh, man, I, whatever they're doing, I want to do. Because their marriage was just great. And, and so, so I asked him, I said, what do you guys do? 
How do you have such a great marriage? They said this. He said, we've, we've been asking each other these three questions for many years. I said, what, what are they? I'm just going to write these down. And he said, we spent years and years and years asking each other, how can I be a better friend to you? Okay, let's see, friend, friend, okay. Give me number two. How can I be a better husband or wife or spouse to you? Number two, how can I be a better spouse? Question mark. And how, how can I be a better lover to you? And honestly, I was like, praise God for number three. I only had to write that one down. I got that one right here. I will not forget number three. And so Sandy and I started doing that. We just consistently over the years. And, and I'm telling you, it has helped our marriage so much. And you know what we've also done? We've also passed it along. Oh, how many couples, how many people are, we here, are here today? Just passed it along. Why? Because a connection. Because a relationship. That's what work is. Are you following me? It's being connected. But listen, as much as good relationships will help you, unhealthy ones will hurt you. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not let anyone fool you. Bad people can make those who want to live good become bad. Hmm. Not judging anybody else. Not, that's not a judgment. I'm not making judgment. Okay? But I do know this. There are, people in, there are people right now, there are people that are in this room that have some toxic relationships. You, you are connected to some toxic people and those people and their habits and their views are not going to make you healthy. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So you get but I will, no, no, separate yourself. Good relationships will make you stronger. Write that down. Good relationships, healthy, good relationships, being connected with believers, going to make you stronger. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, one man is over, uh, excuse me, one man is able to have power over him who is alone, isolated, but two can stand against him. It is not easy to break a rope made of three strings. There is a moment in time that I love. It's an event in the Bible that I love. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite events. It's when David took out Goliath. If you hear me preach 20 messages, you're going to hear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention this at least one time. And somebody said, amen, just quit talking about David and Goliath. But anyway, I'm going to talk about him anyway. But, but you know, but you know that, that, that David, David picked two fights on what I call day 41. I say day 41 because it was 40 days that nothing happened. Goliath kept coming out for 40 days. But on day 41, things changed. But David, on day 41, didn't just pick the fight with Goliath that day. Actually, he picked two fights. <laughs> I love, I love. Somebody's got to make a good, this, this is, would be so great movie, right? David stepped out on the field and he looked at Goliath and he said, all right, big boy. I'm going to start with you. I'm going to take you out. And then, and then I, I think he might have peeked over his shoulder. And he said, hey, the rest of you, the Philistines back there. When I get done with him, go back and read it in 1 Samuel 17. When I get done with him, we are coming after you. Here's why David, 
David did that. David never doubted he could beat Goliath. But he knew that he could not beat the Philistine army by himself. He knew he had to have people to help him. Listen to me. There are things in your life that you may be able to overcome on your own. But yet there are other things in your life you'll never be able to beat by yourself. You need healthy, strong relationships. Can somebody say amen to that? If you'd like a, a, a good book that I've read, as a matter of fact, I've, I've read it once, listened to it a couple of times. It's called Make Your Bed. It's by Admiral Bill McRaven. He's retired uh, Admiral of the Navy. Uh, at one point, he was uh, uh, over the, all the Navy SEALs. How many have ever heard of the Navy SEALs? It's a great book. It's called Make Your Bed. He talks about in the book uh, the uh, um, SEALs training. It's called BUDS. It's like their basic training. And it's a six-month course, one of the most difficult courses that anybody will ever go through in the military. And, and he talks about, he made a statement that I thought was incredible. He said, BUDS is, is not designed to uh, find the strongest man. It's not designed to find the man that can shoot the best. It's not designed for the man that can, uh, is the most educated or, or, or the, the highest uh, intellectually. He said, Bud's is designed for the man that, 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 that knows he can't make it through Bud's by himself. In other words, we create it where we're not looking for just one strong man. We're looking for individuals that realize they need other people in order to make it through Bud's. So that's the reason SEALs, Navy SEALs think that way. They work in teams. Marcus Luttrell, the, uh, the author of um, uh, Lone Survivor, is a movie that came out several years ago. Uh, he, he made this statement. He said, when, when, whenever, whenever we're in a firefight with uh, engaging the enemy, he said, SEALs are not thinking about, a SEAL is not thinking about fighting to save his life. He said, SEALs are thinking about fighting to save their teammate's life. It's just the way they think. Everybody look at me. That's the way God wants us to think. (laughs) We have got to have each other because we cannot fight and win these these battles alone. It's not going to happen. Anybody get anything out of this message this morning? Man, it's so good. As I wrap up, as I wrap up, write this fourth one down. Good relationships will keep you safe. Good, good relationships will, 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 will keep you safe. And you're like, well, isn't that kind of like the point before? <laughs> no, G- good relationships, God relationships will keep you safe from yourself. <laughs> Several years ago, uh, when I was in Bible school, got great doctrine, great teaching in Bible school, faith, uh, spirit of faith, Holy Spirit, um, just great, great stuff. But, but I was in a leadership class and, and I got some advice, got some, I heard something that, that wasn't really that good. Looking back, it, it wasn't really that good. And the day, that morning, the instructor came in and he began to talk about ministry, he began to talk about pastoring. And he said, um, he said in ministry, ministry can be one of the, the most lonely places ever. It's a very lonely thing. And, and it's just supposed to, that's just the way that it is. And so just as a young man, I'm in my 20s, I just accepted that. I thought, okay, that's just the way it's supposed to be. But the reality of it was, it was not good advice. Because that's not the way ministry nor life should be. 
It's not supposed to be lonely. We're not supposed to be by ourselves. Because if, if, if we buy into that, in leading or just in life, if we buy into that, we're going to land in one of the enemy's favorite traps. It's called the trap of isolation. And here, here, here's what isolation can do. And I could spend a lot of time talking about this from a leadership point of view, but just in life. When you're isolated, you can, be, you can begin to believe that you are worse than you really are. You can begin to think, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm not this and I'm not that. And you can really begin to believe that you're worse than you really are. But also when you're isolated, it can, the pendulum can swing the other way and you can begin to think that you are better than you really are. You have some successes and things are great. You can begin to think, dang, I'm good. That's what isolation does. In, in both sides, both places, you're not good. It's not healthy. But see, being in good relationships can lift you up when you believe that you're worse. But good relationships can also ground you when you think that you're better than you really are. How many watched the NCAA National Football Championship not long ago? Some of you Alabama fans are like, I wish I wouldn't have watched it. You just... Somebody get the Alabama fans a hanky, give it to them. It'll be okay. Get thee behind me, Satan. Anyway, that's what happens when you got the mic. No, I'm the one that opened that can of worms. I was watching it, and uh, I was watching the kid from Clemson, quarterback from Clemson, being interviewed afterwards. His name is uh, Trevor. Trevor Lawrence, he's just a kid. Can you, can you imagine one year prior to the interview, he was a high school senior. One year, he was a high school senior. One year later, he, he's played before millions of people and performed well. But he's just a kid. As a matter of fact... I read an article about him and they were talking about how excited he got because they had Chick-fil-A after the game. <laughs> they were talking about, this is, they quoted him, he walks into the locker room. He's won the national championship. He's the MVP. He walks into the locker room. He said, this is a great night. We've also got Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Just a kid. But he's a kid that's going somewhere. Predict NFL, here he comes. So I'm watching the interview and he says something that caught my attention. I want you to listen to this just brief clip of this interview after the game. Listen to me. When you took over this team, there was a lot put on your shoulders. How have you managed the pressure and brought your team to this national championship state? Yeah, I mean, that guy goes back. I'm a good teammate, some coaches, and surround yourself with the right kind of people. I'm watching that and I went, did I hear him right? So I went back and watched the video the next morning of the interview and I went, 
I heard him right. He said his what? Small group. Help him what? Lift him up, but also help him stay grounded. You know what my prayer is for Trevor? My prayer is, is that for the rest of his life, he'll be saying that same thing. I'm thankful for my small group. Because he's still going to have moments in his life, they're not going to be good. But if he's got small group, he's got somebody there to lift him up. And then there are going to be times in Trevor's life, I promise you, mountaintop experiences. And he's going to need somebody in his life to say, Trevor, (laughs) buddy, you didn't get here alone. Are you following me? You know, that's my prayer for you. My prayer is that, that you would get in a small group. That you would begin to build healthy relationships and God-honoring relationships. Because those relationships will help you when you need to be lifted up. And then there are times where they're going to look at you and you're going to go, you're not that good. God helped you. What's God saying? There's no way you can do life without relationships. Just not going to work. He created you to be connected. It's his design. Get, join a group. Listen to me. But don't just sign up. Because signing up is not going to do any good. Signing up and showing up. Because you, you'll leave this room. You're going to leave this room and you're all excited. Because God's talking to you and you're going to sign up. And then if you're not careful, there's all this stuff's going to get in the way of you showing up to the groups. And then when you start the groups, about halfway through the semester, you're going to be like, oh, not another group night. But listen, that group night may be the very night God says something through you or to you that could change your life forever. Okay? So start, but also finish this semester. And I promise you, your life is going to be different. It'll be different because you were created to be what? Connected. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.